Hi, I'm Nomad Neeks, and I am back for episode number two of Nomad Neeks Lifestyle. Thank you so much for listening and for following the podcast. I will try to post new content each week. So today I wanted to talk about something that I get a lot of questions about when people find out why I initially decided to come to China, and that is my journey to China and really just a general overview of what teaching English in China is like, how you kind of get started when you first come to China, and what it's all about, because China is definitely a pretty closed-off country. So I think a lot of people are really interested in learning this, and I definitely know that I would be too if I hadn't done it all myself. So the first thing I wanted to just touch on was why I chose China. So this was back in 2017. I kind of decided that I didn't want to be living at home in Canada anymore. I studied global studies in university and I always kind of knew that the typical life, nine to five life in Canada just wasn't for me. So I initially started looking actually into teaching in Korea. I think that's super common, Um, especially a few years back. um, Korea was kind of known as where you go to teach English. So, of course, that was the first thing that came to mind for me. I never even thought of China as an option. And, of course, fate would have it. I reached out to just someone who I um, found online. He had a blog. He was also Canadian, and he was living in a smaller city in Korea at the time. I say smaller, still, I'm sure, millions of people. Sorry for that noise there's always honking going on in china always especially around um going back home time but so i reached out to um this guy colby and i was just kind of like i'm interested in teaching in korea and so he hooks me up with this really amazing recruiter who is also canadian um and his name was dan teach esl korea is his company and so i started talking to him and he kind of got me thinking about china he was like china's kind of the up-and-coming korea a lot of teachers are going there shenzhen the city that i have been in um, but i never heard of it at the time before he was just kind of like shenzhen's very up and coming it's right beside hong kong which is super convenient for a lot of people and um a lot of English teachers are going there. You can save some really amazing money in China, um, a lot more than you ever really could in Korea. So my initial reaction to this was, no, I want Korea and Korea only. I want Seoul, which was super hard and I'm sure is even harder now to, um, to get a teaching position in Seoul. So he kind of sent me a, a checklist of the positives and negatives of <clears throat> of each country of going to China versus going to Korea and probably it took me about a month to really weigh my pros and cons of each and so I decided you know what let's try China I never thought in a million years that I would be going to live in China but let's try it out Korea's not going anywhere if I if I change my mind I can always you know after my year contract is up head to Korea 
So that was kind of how I initially got myself to China. Since then, I've met Colby. I've met Dan. He's come to China. Colby actually um, also teaches in in Shenzhen now too, which is kind of crazy how the world works. But um, yeah, I'm super, super happy that I made my decision to go to China over Korea. And I have visited Korea twice and it's amazing. I love Korea. I would love to just hang out there for a month or two, but um, for financial reasons and so many other reasons, I'm really happy that I chose Shenzhen, China. So next step of deciding I was going to Shenzhen was who I was going to sign with. So I had um, an interview, I say interview in air quotes. I was all prepared, you know, in my room at my desk for this long interview about my teaching experience, which at the time was zero. And it ended up being a 13 minute um, Skype phone call. And pretty much, I think they just wanted to honestly check that I could speak English and I was actually a real person, and I was actually dedicated to coming to China. So 13 minutes later, they pretty much said, okay, awesome, you have a job with us if you choose to come to China. They sent me the contract. Um, So my contract at the time, I was making 13,000 RMB, and that includes my 3,000 housing allowance, which isn't a whole lot Canadian, maybe it's like 23, 2400 a month. But keep in mind, especially back in 2017, um, living in Shenzhen, in China in general, was a lot cheaper. Shenzhen has actually gotten quite a bit more expensive since then, um, three years later. But in 2017, it was a pretty good price. Now I signed with Um, an agency. So the way it works in China, I'm not sure about other countries, but there's multiple different agencies that you have the opportunity to sign with, or you can sign directly with a school. You would normally sign directly with a school if you are a qualified, certified teacher in your home country who has teaching experience in the public or private sector. Um, And so they would usually hire, they they would be international schools most typically, and they would be hiring real teachers. Or if you just do, you know, like a 100 hour or whatnot TEFL certification, which is what I did, and you're not a certified teacher in your home country, then typically, at least to start out with, you will sign with an agency in China. So the agency pays you and they place you at a school of their choosing, So I really had no choice. I had asked to be in a specific district, which thankfully they did put me in that district, um, kind of in the main area district. Um, But a lot of the time they'll kind of put you a little bit further out, just depending where they need teachers. Also China, it's interesting because I know at least in Shenzhen, they kind of, these agencies bid on different districts every year or every two years, I'm not sure. But so depending on the year, my company might have bid on, you know, a district that's a little bit more further out and gotten that district. And another company would kind of get one of the um, the main districts, I guess you could say. So it really depends on the year and what districts the agency has at that year. 
So I had signed with a school, well, not with a school, with the agency, but they said they were going to place me in a school. I had got my visa for China, which I'm not sure of the process now, but back in 2017, it was very vigorous. It probably took me about seven or eight months to get all my documents in order and probably cost me like 1500 maybe even a little bit more than that Canadian dollars. It was a lot. Now that I have a work permit and residence permit in China, for me to come back this time around, it wasn't nearly as bad because I was already with a school and it was a really easy process. It took me like four days to get my visa. But when you first come to China or you're not already with a school and you have a work permit with them, then it can definitely be a bit of a process to get there. So touchdown in Shenzhen in August, August 23rd of 2017, had no idea what to expect. So I met up with one of the employees of my agency at the time. He thankfully met me at the airport because I would have had no idea what to do or where to go. I also didn't realize that um, so few people in China really spoke English or tried to speak English. So I was definitely pretty lost. Didn't know any Chinese at the time. Um, So he thankfully picked me up at the airport and then took me to a hotel. And I remember seeing on the taxi meter of the hotel that it was 100 RMB is the currency here. It was 100 RMB for the taxi. And I had no idea what that conversion was. But to me, I'm thinking 100 Canadian dollars. And I was like, wow, that is a lot of money. It sounds like 100. I don't know what that is. Um it was actually about $20. So for, you know, like a 30 minute taxi ride, it was quite cheap. And even still today, taxis in China are very cheap. I go back home and I Uber and I'm just like, how this would be the cost of like five DDs. DD is like the Uber in China. Okay. Anyway, rant over. So I got to the hotel that they were paying for for the first week. I would kind of get established, go to the agency, meet everyone, get all my documents in order, register at the police station, yada, 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 everything you have to do. So I was staying for the first seven days in a hotel that they put me up in. I was kind of expecting, you know, like a holiday inn type deal. That would be the equivalent of like what I would expect, I guess, in North America, you know, not like a five star hotel by any means, but something that was passable. So never having been to China, I didn't realize that cockroaches are everywhere in China just because it gets so humid. Even in the winter, there can be really humid days. I think the coldest is probably like 10 degrees Celsius that it gets here. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but um So I really had never seen a cockroach. I didn't know what to expect from this hotel. Turns out it was definitely a budget hotel is all I'm going to say about that. Um, At least once a day, at least I would see a cockroach. And yeah, they kind of put all the new teachers in that hotel. And so we all kind of met for the first time in that hotel and we were all definitely less than impressed um it was about 20 dollars, i think maybe a little bit less per night for this hotel so they were definitely not balling out for us but it got us through the first week i remember complaining to my um to one of the people at the agency i worked for and then they translated that to the front desk And since I had no windows or anything in this room, 
their resolution was to come and spray like raid for cockroaches and then I of course being a westerner was like well that's not healthy for my breathing if I'm going to be in this room all day and all night essentially and there's no windows to air it out so then he brought a bunch of fans and put a bunch of fans in the room and I was just like what is happening (laughs) now I kind of realize like that's China operates a lot different than back home but it was definitely a shock for me and I think a shock for a lot of foreigners to experience like you know the cultural differences here in China so that was my hotel experience for the first week definitely eye-opening very interesting but at the same time got to meet all the other new teachers that were with my company and it was really an awesome experience we were friends for all of first year until most of them went home um so kind of moving on to the financial aspect of it not in terms of how much i made but in terms of how much i was told to bring to china so how it works in china is and i haven't heard of any any company really doing it differently you get paid monthly so you get paid once a month so my salary for all of september september 1st to september 30th would be paid on october 15th so you really got to budget your money and especially when you're first coming to China and if you didn't bring a lot of money with you, then you really need to budget for a month and a half until my date was October 15th. My new school now is October 6th, but it'll be sometime within the next the next month you'll be getting paid and you get paid like the full lump sum money for the previous month. So I was told to bring a about I think it was 1500 Canadian dollars because I knew I would have to get an apartment and pay um pay like a deposit and pay for of course food and transportation and all that so I figured you know 1500 they told me was a good amount to bring so that's what I brought turns out that was not nearly enough not nearly enough and I tell this to all new teachers who I speak to who have not come to China yet I say bring I would say like a good amount would be 5,000 Canadian maybe for minimum um, especially now with prices rising for rent in Shenzhen which is a whole nother ordeal that I'm dealing with right now to find a place to live in but um yeah, so I would definitely say four to five thousand Canadian, a little bit less if you're converting it to American, but definitely do not bring fifteen hundred to float you for the first month and a half, because so what you'll need to pay for is um, well you need to get a health check and I think that's five hundred RMB I think so that's a hundred but then your company will reimburse you for those expenses if it's your first time in China but the big expense is rent. And of course, there's smaller expenses like you're meeting new people, you're going out to the bars and restaurants and taxis. And I mean, the subway is so cheap. You don't need to include that. It's like, I don't know, 30 cents per ride or something. Um, I think the max I paid on the metro in Shenzhen is like a dollar twenty-five, And I was pretty much going across all of Shenzhen. It's pretty crazy. But in terms of rent, I'm going to speak to my looking at rental prices now in 2020 versus in 2017 it was a much lower and I also had a roommate at the time so it was a bit of a different story but right now I'm looking for an apartment in Shenzhen a one bedroom or a studio and my school is located pretty centrally so it is a bit more expensive 
but the price I'm looking at now for a little small box room is 3700 RMB. Um, I think that's about $730 Canadian. So it's a small room. I would say if you want a one bedroom or studio that's nice and Western and not tiny, I think this room is like 17 square meters. Um, so something that's not tiny, I'd say you'll probably be paying about minimum 4500 maximum 7000 Keep in mind, you will get a housing allowance. I think with pretty much every single contract in China, you'll get a housing allowance and then that's not taxed, which is nice. Um, if you don't use all of your housing allowance, it just goes into your salary. You still get it anyways, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so 37 is kind of the cheapest I've seen. I've seen a couple other for 4,500. Um, and these are, these are very small places. I'm not balling out. (laughs) Um, but I think one fee that a lot of people don't think of when they initially come to China is that you have to pay two months of rent, for a two-month deposit right off the bat and then the agent fee who helps you find the agent who helps you find the apartment sorry is half a month's rent so if the rent is four thousand then his fee is two thousand and then you have to pay your first month's rent as well so you're paying three and a half months rent in total for the first month two month deposit and half a month agent fee so that can add up especially if you're not getting paid you know, for the next month and a half, or if they, you know, don't owe you any back pay or anything like that from teaching online during COVID, then it can definitely be a lot of money. So upfront. So that's definitely one thing to keep in mind as well as, you know, any other expenses or traveling expenses or anything that you're planning on spending money on. So in the spirit of my company not telling me to bring nearly enough money, I ended up having to take out, they call it a loan, but it's not really a loan. They essentially just give you, they gave me, I think, maximum 6,000 RMB. And then they kept my passport as collateral. And then they just took that 6,000 off my first paycheck, which was totally fine because I needed that 6,000 RMB. Uh, that's just over a grand. It's like 1200 Canadian dollars. So I really needed that money. So I w- was very happy. There was no interest or anything like that on the loan that they gave me. They, I think pretty much everyone in the company took advantage of it because we definitely did not bring enough money. So that was awesome, except there was one major problem that arose with that was that that was in, within my first month of arriving in China. And... I, so you have, you get, you get your visa when you come to China, your Z visa for work. And that is valid for 30 days. So within 30 days of entering the country, you need to convert that. You need to get your company or your school to convert that over to a residence and a work permit. So then you don't have the visa, you have the permits to stay in China. So since I didn't have my passports and I didn't know China well enough to know that I needed to be the one on top of it. I assumed my company had my passport. They would kind of, you know, check the date on the passport for when my visa was expiring and it needed to be transferred over to a resident and work permit. So I kind of left the passport with them thinking that they would deal with it. And 
I messaged them kind of asking, you know, when is my visa expiring? And this was, I think, a Saturday or a Friday night. And they were like, oh, it expires on Sunday. We didn't realize that. But it's okay. We'll go on Monday because if it expires on a weekend, then you can go the next day and it's all good. And since this was, you know, the woman's full-time job, I was like, okay, awesome. She knows what she's doing. So we went on Monday to the bureau and it turns out as rules are constantly changing in China that um, you couldn't do that. You had to, I had to have done it the Friday before or previously. So unfortunately my visa had expired. I had not turned it into any type of work permit prior to it expiring and I had to leave the country. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll leave tomorrow. And she was like, no, you need to leave the country now. <laughs> and I was like, okay thankfully so so thankfully hong kong is like a metro right away and since i'm canadian i can stay in hong kong for i believe it's three or four months i think three months without a visa so um i don't know what i would have done if i was like in central china i would have had to get a flight out of china but thankfully i could just hop on the metro i had been in china for like a month at this point so i had no idea how to get to hong kong had never been there But I quickly ran home, packed a backpack, thinking I'd be in Hong Kong for like a day, Um, packed a backpack and hopped on a metro with this Russian guy who was also in the same situation as me. So met this Russian guy. We were kind of talking. Both of us had never been to Hong Kong. We were both newbies to China and they printed out like MapQuest directions for us to get to central Hong Kong, which is on the island. And it was, you know, you have to transfer, I think, three times. It's funny because I've done this journey at least 50 times now, having been in China for like two and a half years um, before the borders closed to Hong Kong for COVID. But yeah, so now I could do it with my eyes closed. But at the time, I had no idea where I was going. Thankfully, we figured it out. We um, didn't take, you know, any wrong lines or anything like that. So we got to Central. Long story short, it turned out that it ended up being, I think I was in Hong Kong for two or three days. I had to tell my school, look, I'm really sorry, but like, I mean, I guess this is my fault. I should have checked up on the date, but I didn't know I had to do that. So... I had to take some time off work and I was just hanging out in Hong Kong, which was kind of cool. Got to see Hong Kong, um, got to, I think I was living, no, I was living at like Mong Kok. So it's right before the island, but I had to go on to the island at Central to get my new visa. Ended up being a big process. My company ended up having to come down with more documents. Long story short, got the visa a new visa and then immediately converted that into my work permit in China. So yeah, that is kind of a very short synopsis of all of the things that I went through within my first week and my first month in China in August to September of 2017. So policies and prices and whatnot have definitely changed in the last three years, but that was kind of you know, just what I went through. And I think what a lot of foreigners go through, I kind of go through that story really quickly whenever I'm messaging someone who's thinking about coming to China. Um, I also always don't mind helping people find better jobs in China. I've talked to quite a few people who are planning to come to China from, you know, the West and they have an offer for similar to what I was initially making, 13000 
now I'm making like double that at my job. Um, and I'm still not a certified teacher. Keep in mind, I just have the experience. Usually if you have two years teaching experience in China, you can really like level up where you're going to work in China and maybe not do like the starter agency. So I always kind of try to help out people who are coming to China and who, you know, have some experience or have um, like a really awesome career back home that they could kind of leverage for China. So definitely reach out to me uh, if you are thinking of going to China or even Korea. I don't know anything about like Thailand or any of those countries, but Thailand or China or Korea, I can totally hook you up with my recruiter. I know a bunch of other, a bunch of other recruiters in China. I'm totally happy to help you out. You can head to my website is nomadneeks.com and you can message me there on the contact page. I've got some blogs about living in China, traveling for Chinese New Year, which I'll definitely do a podcast about um, this Chinese New Year. It'll definitely be a bit different than other ones. But um, yeah, check out my website. I've got a lot of awesome resources on there as well that I really like for just for starting my business, living abroad, living in China. Or if you have any specific questions, just reach out to me. Um, my email is neeks at nomadneeks.com. Email me, message me, DM me, whatever you want, um, just even to say hey. So thank you so much for listening to episode two. I hope that you got some knowledge about China and you're a little bit more prepared if you're planning to head on over here to China. I would totally love to meet you if you do make it over here. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have an awesome day.